Welcome to The Wrong Side, the podcast where we talk through the latest happenings in pop culture to make sure you never find yourself on the wrong side of history. This week, we'll be talking through the drama between Noah Cyrus, Harry Styles, and Candace Owens, YouTuber Gabby DiMartino under fire for posting an inappropriate video of her from her childhood on OnlyFans, and we unpacked the new HBO series, The Undoing. Let's discuss... That intro felt so long. It, it was long. So, it was like seven it, lines. It sounds like we have 19,000 things to discuss, but in reality, there's just three stories that have a lot underneath them. Yeah, we, we kind of do. It's, they're, they're deep. We, we're going to have to speed through the intro question of the day just to make sure that we give ourselves like the amount of saliva needed to talk that much. Yeah, I noticed on our last episode when I was editing it how long our intro was. And we need, as soon as we start making money from this podcast, we need to hire <laughs> an assistant or, you know, some sort of production assistant, whoever. They can have whatever title they want. And <laughs> they're just going to be in charge of timing our tangents. Yeah, like it needs to stop. I think we do a good job of pushing it along, especially because like I can tell when you're getting bored of me and you can tell when I'm getting bored of you and when it's like a one-sided conversation. So, you know, we have to like be able to do this by ourselves because who knows when we're going to start making money off this podcast and maybe never. And that's fine. I'm happy for that. But we do have a potential business plan, and that is that Demi, what's her name, from The Bachelorette, is, or from The Bachelor, the Bachelor in Paradise, is hiring not one, but two assistants, and we might, we might apply. We might. I'm gathering that she does have the income to fairly compensate not one, but two employees. That's what yeah. I'm gathering, just from the energy in the studio. Yeah, and I really think that if we could both land that job, then we could probably have her on the pod, and then boom, we have an in to all of Bachelor Nation. Truth. Never mind, not Bachelor Nation, that's the fans, but we, have, <laughs> we, have, we no, would have think, access to everybody. I think the cast is considered Bachelor Nation. Okay, Maybe that's that makes me feel better. Emily, we have to get into the question of the day. We can't, we can't dilly-dally. Oh my god, I know. I'm Here I am bringing it up and now we're doing the tangent again. Okay, so you actually came up with this one. Yeah, so I, I came up with this because I was listening back. I always listen to our podcast once just to, it's really good to just, you know, hear it from a listener's point of view and try to make it better the next time or if I notice something, try to fix it or if, you know, if we notice that our tangents are a little long, like try to keep that in mind the next time we're recording, stuff like that. And I'm not going to lie, like the egotistical you're kidding. The leaf blower outside just turned on. So let me go close the window one moment. <laughs> so for a little context, I got on the Zoom call today and Audrey was absolutely livid because there is yard work going on outside. And she was like running around the house trying to find the most quiet spot. But it's I can't fine. hear anything. Well, that's great. I, I'm concerned because I feel like this mic can pick up a lot, but it's fine. I close the window. We're good. I'm a little hot. But it's fine. Anyways, what I was saying is I listen back to our podcast. I'm always trying to just think of, you know, what can I do better? And what I was interrupted by saying by this leap roller outside was that I also enjoy listening to myself talk, okay? I'll own up to that. But <laughs> anyways, long story short, I wanted to know 
because I know you probably do the same thing. We're both very interested in giving ourselves constructive feedback and whatnot. If there's anything that you've observed or noticed about yourself after, you know, almost 20 episodes of listening to yourself back on the pod. Yeah. So first of all, when we initially started this podcast, I think the first time that I heard myself talk, I almost quit this whole thing because I was like, (laughs) I hate the sound of my voice. Like this is not going to last. And I feel like you have the most amazing voice for like radio, TV, podcasting. And I'm just like stringing along, like trying to make it work. But I will say that I think now that we're on episode 19, which is crazy, I've gotten a lot more comfortable with it and I don't cringe as much. So that's good. But the one thing I think I've noticed about myself is that I'm so agreeable. And I like- Oh my God, that's so interesting. Everything you say, I frequently respond with, I totally agree. No, I totally agree. Or like, I I couldn't agree more. I couldn't agree more. And- I also kind of noticed that because my brother's girlfriend, Kyleen, she pointed out, she was like, I love when you guys disagree on the pod because we both get so heated, which we do do sometimes. But then I started noticing how much I'm frequently saying, I couldn't agree more. I totally agree. Yes, 100%. And, you know, maybe I need to grow a spine. So um, that's my observation. What's yours? That's so funny that you say that because maybe that's why I like you so much. Because <laughs> I'm a bitch that needs to be right, you know what I mean? <laughs> I love affirming <laughs> other people's opinions. <laughs> yeah, you're, you're really good for that. That is a, an iconic trait of yours. <laughs> one thing that I've noticed about myself, I've noticed a lot of things, but the one that sparked me to, to ask you what your thing was is actually my lisp. And when I say that, I'm trying really hard to pronounce my s's (laughs) but actually when I was a kid I had a lisp and my family it okay my dad said that it wasn't a lisp and it's actually something called a sibilance which of course has two s's in it that's a horrible word wait I think that's what it's called don't quote me I'm pretty sure that's what it's called I need to I need to Google it because this is what my dad told me. And if he lied to me, then oh, that's good. Okay, so what it means is a hissing quality of sound or the hissing sound itself. <laughs> um, in phonetics, sibilants are fricative consonants of higher amplitude and pitch made by directing a stream of air with the tongue towards the teeth. Uh, examples are consonants at the beginning of the English words sip, zip, ship, genre. So it's kind of like I get confused. Like my mouth, I don't know if that's like what you would Wait, genre? Genre. You know how you put your, your Z? It's like a genre. genre. You feel that? Genre. Listeners, say it out loud with us. Genre. Genre. It's almost like a genre. So listen back. You can hear it. You can, I promise you can hear it. It's a little bit more pronounced in sometimes than others. Like if there's a word that has like three S's, I'm screwed. Or if I'm talking really fast, like right now I I have it and I can feel it. Other times, sometimes it's like about the moisture level in my mouth. Like if I drink more water, I don't have it as much. I'm pretty sure. I don't know. But anyway, I notice it. I'm not insecure of it. It's fine. It's whatever. But my S's aren't crisp. I wish I had a crisp S because you know how, you know who has a crisp S? Who? 
Kylie Jenner has like the crispest S in all the land. I think hers is way too crisp. I don't like it. <laughs> it's like crunchy. It's burnt. <laughs> it's straight up burnt. I don't I don't think that is something to aspire to at all. I think that it sounds amazing. Like it it's like ASMR. I could not. Oh my god, look, I'm just a green. <gasps> oh my god. I'm green. Yay. Oh, <laughs> progress. See everybody, if you just pay attention, <laughs> if you have self-awareness, you can work on these things. Yeah, so wait, but that's funny that you say that because A, I've never noticed that and B, I actually had a lisp when I was a kid and maybe we can post uh, the picture of me in kindergarten. Do you know the one I'm talking about? Yes. You have for sure seen it. Uh, Basically, when I was in kindergarten, I had a really bad lisp. And the school photographer knew that because I grew up in a farm town of 500 people. So everybody knew everybody. And she told me to say cheese. And I said cheese. And my tongue is out in the photo because of my lisp. And it's just a really sad picture. Well, then I'm glad we can bond on this. Yeah. And now, okay, I really hope that after I said that, you know, people listening, it's like, because you know when you point me out, like something annoying about someone else, and then that becomes like the only thing you notice about them. And so That I is really the hope- story of my life. Like, yeah. I have a problem. Yeah, so I really hope that that's not the case, but if it is, then you can stop. It's fine. You can, you can leave. It's fine. I understand. I would leave too. We should talk about <laughs> pet peeves on the next pod. Okay, that's a good call. We'll do that. People are going to realize how psychotic I am. (laughs) (laughs) Me too, honestly. Okay, well, that was a good question. Thank you for thinking of that. Yeah, no worries. Should we get into our first topic of the day? Let's do it. So our first story of the day is all around Noah Cyrus, Harry Styles, and Candace Owens. And if I heard those three names together a month ago... I would have said, what the hell are you talking about? But this is a story. So the whole thing started when Harry Styles made history last month as the first male solo cover star of Vogue, looking absolutely fabulous in mini dresses. And then, of course, well-known conservative commentator Candace Owens then tweeted the following, quote, there is no society that can survive without strong men. The East knows this. In the West, the steady feminization of our men at the same time that Marxism is being taught to our children is not a coincidence. It is an outright attack. Bring back manly men. And then when Owens received backlash, she doubled down by tweeting that Hollywood has become perverse. Quote, women who objectify themselves by spreading their legs for the world are lauded as courageous, she wrote. Men in ball gowns and little girls' clothing are lauded as icons. Hollywood is no longer about diversity, it's about perversity. I speak for people who do not worship perversity. In November, when Owens first received backlash for comments about Styles' attire in its Vogue cover, the author reiterated that she was not sorry. She said at the time, since I'm trending, I'd like to clarify what I meant when I said bring back manly men. I meant bring back manly men. Terms like toxic masculinity were created by toxic females. Real women don't do fake feminism. Sorry, I'm not sorry. From there, Harry Styles made an acknowledgement of Candace's comment when he posted a photo of him in a baby blue power suit eating a banana with the caption, quote, bring back manly men. So now we have Noah Cyrus entering the picture when she tweeted, quote, he wears this dress better than any of you nappy ass hoes, which Candace then retweeted and said, quote, 
any one of you woke liberals care to explain to me how at Noah Cyrus calling me a nappy ass hoe is not racist? I'm all ears. You guys love cancel culture at Miley Cyrus. Come get your sister. So Noah Cyrus claims she is mortified that she used a racially offensive term to defend Harry Styles and took to her Instagram stories on Thursday to say, quote, I am mortified that I used a term without knowing the context and history, but I know now and I'm horrified and truly sorry. I will never use it again. Thank you for educating me. I in no way meant to offend anyone. I am so, so sorry. So there's just a lot to unpack here. There's a lot to unpack. I think, you know, first and foremost, we just have to talk about unproblematic King Harry Styles just being a fucking icon. And he's truly the only one not on the wrong side out of these three high profile people of this story. That's probably the most frustrating thing because obviously Harry has been trending in the last month just because of this cover and his outfits. And before Noah even got involved, and even before Candace got involved, it's so annoying that we are even having these conversations in the first place because Harry is literally the most unproblematic person. 100%. In Hollywood, in the whole world. Like this, he is so pure and just does nothing but like preach kindness and give off wonderful vibes to the world. And this is how we repay him. This is how we treat him. He does not deserve this. And, and, and just, so it's hard. I think, okay, so Harry's great. We know that Harry's great. Okay, Candace Owens, you know, she has, she has horrible takes. Don't align, you know, politically or values-wise in the slightest with Candace Owens. Neither of us do. The particular argument that she made that you had covered regarding toxic masculinity and how toxic masculinity doesn't exist, and it's a term created by, what is it, like white feminists or something or toxic females toxic females i saw a really cool i think it might have been a tiktok and i feel like i'm gonna butcher it i wish that i would have looked it up or you know oh my god i think i was just gonna reference i think the same thing it was just something about how it was like talking about toxic masculinity are you do you do you recall it because i'm it's on the tip of my tongue but i'm gonna have to sit here and think for like five seconds and we don't have that luxury on this podcast (laughs) (laughs) so until we have that assistant so I don't know if we're talking about the same TikTok, but the one that I was about to reference was someone basically said, I love when people say that we need manly men to protect us. And then she goes on to say, to protect us from what? Who? Like, who do we need these manly men to protect us from? Oh yeah, manly men, these toxic men. So it's just so funny, the irony that people are thinking that if we don't have these manly men to save us, what? you're literally the problem. You are the reason why we need quote saving. So I don't know how they haven't figured out that loop yet. I don't know if that's the TikTok that you were talking about, but that's the one that came to my mind. The one that I was thinking about, I'm I'm still going to butcher it, but it was in response to um, Abby Shapiro, who's Ben Shapiro's little sister, who's a very, she's, I guess she's a public figure and she's also, she's She's just like Candace Owens, you know, has similar takes as her. And she she has a YouTube channel and she posted this video about how she was going to recap things that happened this week. And she talked about Harry Styles in this dress and how she feels as though there's nothing, you know, sexy or attractive about that to her and how she wants her mans to be masculine. And someone was talking about in response to that video that toxic masculinity like isn't what these conservative people think it is it's not it's not the fact that masculinity is toxic it's not the fact that you can't be masculine but it's the fact that in order to be masculine you have to 
push away anything that that involves femininity and that femininity is like a direct like yin yang of masculinity like you can't be masculine and feminine you have to just be masculine long story short i i i couldn't disagree more with candace owens but before we you know i want to also touch on noah cyrus who is also on the wrong side in this situation she used a racist term the term um nappy headed or or just the term nappy is a well-known racist slanderous term and it just really fucking sucks because you know i think i think in terms of what she was going for and and whose side she was on it was on harry styles side it was coming to the defense of harry styles but the delivery wasn't there it wasn't okay and you know it just fucking sucks that she did that yeah, I was, when I saw it trending again, I just thought that, I mean, first of all, I was annoyed because I'm like, can we just get over this cover? Like, let it be. It's iconic. Let's leave it alone. And then I was like, wait, how did Noah Cyrus get involved? And I was confused because I thought no people were trying to cancel Noah Cyrus for like coming for Harry Styles. Like for some reason, I thought she was on Candace Owens' side. And I'm like, this makes no sense. And then when I realized what had happened, yeah, it's just disappointing because it just goes to show that we all, this is why we all need to continue learning and listening and reading and understanding because sometimes we're so quick to come to the defense of what we think is right and then we end up in the wrong. So that's exactly what happened here. And I, uh, I mean, I don't, I, I'm torn on whether or not I feel bad for Noah Cyrus because she really was just trying to defend Harry Styles, which is the right thing to do but she just did it in such a horrible way and I don't want to defend that but it is just tough to see a good intention end up so poorly yeah like I think that there were I I was doing a lot of just Twitter deep diving on this and again Twitter isn't always an accurate representation of how people feel and sometimes certain voices get pushed up more than others but I do think there's just a general consensus of like it doesn't matter the situation you just you don't you don't be racist. And so that fucking sucks. And so, yeah, like whatever, Noah Cyrus, while I'm sure she, her intentions were on the right side, it doesn't matter if your actions, you know, didn't, didn't pull through (laughs) with the delivery. Also, you know, I've never really looked to Noah Cyrus in any capacity of role model or just because she's young, not because of any other reason other than that. I just don't know much about her. She's young and you know, clearly she just, she has some learning to do. I think there was a really big issue specifically with the fact that in her apology, she, her excuse was that she didn't know. And it's almost like a hundred percent positive that there's no chance she did not know why that term might be offensive in some way or another. She probably wasn't thinking about it, but she probably did know. Like as soon as someone was like, yo, that's fucked up. She probably was like, oh, fuck. But instead of just being like, I'm sorry, I will never do it again. She was like, I'm sorry, I'll never do it again. I didn't know. And that's kind of something that pissed people off too. Like just own it, own your shit and move on. If you're comfortable saying something like you nappy ass or nappy headed hoes or whatever, you need a reality check because you're not, you're white (laughs) and you just can't do that. I just will never, it never ceases to amaze me how horrible celebrities are at apologies. I, somebody get them into a boot camp or I don't even know, but something needs to happen because they're just consistently bad. I have a crazy conspiracy theory. Huh. This is like absolutely insane. So nobody take me seriously unless you want to. 
we're not talking about this on the pod, but I'm Audrey and I have both noticed, and I'm sure a lot of you have noticed that Miley has been all over TikTok lately, commenting on people's TikToks. Like people will post things like, if Miley comments, I'll get a tattoo tomorrow, or like if Miley comments, we'll get married tomorrow, or like blah, 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 all these little things. And <laughs> she's been commenting on everything. Like Miley is all over TikTok all of a sudden, and people are here for it. People are super excited about it. And what if she's doing that to try to distract some attention away from her sister? Ooh, that's an interesting theory. I didn't even think about that. I was like listening, listening, didn't see. You're like that. waiting for the. You're like, where does his circle end up? <laughs> yeah, and I mean, and and that might even be. It could even be that she's doing that kind of inadvertently. Like she, she's just. It's a, it's a protective instinct that she didn't even like intentionally mean to do. But Miley has also been in the news so so much recently, mostly because I think a few days ago it was now a few days ago that she had let people know that she had like relapsed with some drug use and she's not sober anymore and that's been difficult and then I think from all of that like all of the tabloid websites have been going crazy like reporting anything about her there was a story in page six about how she was talking to I can't remember which talk show host but about how her hair has always been a signifier identifier of her mental health and how that's kind of like fucked her up like she gets a mullet oh she must be back on drugs when she cut her hair for the first time when she first kind of entered into the bangers era they were like oh she's for sure like popping molly and how that's been like hard on her mental health i think there's probably definitely something there she's really been i'm just like leave her alone dude she's clearly not doing okay she like told everybody she's not doing well with her addiction. Like just let's everybody just take it down a notch. I think two people in this world need a break right now from all the press. And that is Miley Cyrus and Barack Obama. <laughs> 100%. <laughs> he he like, needs to take a nap, dude. He's I'm so tired. Dying at Audrey's story. If you guys didn't see it, she posted the the video of Barack doing an interview with the home edit ladies and he literally looked like he had not slept in 18 years and he looks he's real like he truly is making the goddamn rounds like he has been on every show i've everywhere yeah he really has he's his press tour is iconic whoever his pr person is they have the connections i mean who wouldn't want to have an interview with brock but he looks tired like the poor man go to bed like he has put in his time let us give this man a break like Wait, okay, so I'm diverting from that, but I do have one more note before we get into our next topic because it kind of relates to that toxic masculinity thing. If anybody's on TikTok, and I'll try to find the TikTok too, but there's this guy who, I don't know if you've seen it, so let me know. He's like the most beautiful, symmetrical man I've ever seen. Like his hair is, it's, his hair is like a foot long and he has like these most wonderful cut eyebrows and his lips are giant. Like he's just he looks like a greek god like it's crazy he has like these bright blue eyes okay who is this <laughs> it's just some dude i don't know but he's been on tiktok recently and at first he i first saw him it was just like a selfie video and everybody was like holy shit this is like the most beautiful man ever and then recently he's been coming up on my for you page where he goes on omegle and he records like his interactions with people because it's a lot of like teenage dudes and the first one that he posted was like this kid who was like very sketch, white, creepy, dumbass kid who was probably like, Where is this going? No, just listen, it's cool. So he's like 16 year old kid, and you know, this beautiful man pops up on his Omegle 
and this kid's like, dude, you're like, are you gay? Like, you're the most ugliest man I've ever seen. Like, ew, you're so fucking disgusting. Like, saying really fucked up shit. And the guy's just sitting there like, damn, man, like, what's wrong? Like, what's wrong in your heart, bro? And then he just hangs up and the caption is something like, you know, stuff like this never stops hurting. And it's kind of like an anti-bullying message or whatever. So then he posted another video of three different interactions and all of them were guys who were like similar age and maturity like they're probably on their teens or whatever they're like holy shit dude you're the most beautiful man I've ever seen like oh my god like you you could like I would totally let you date my girlfriend like you you deserve her like all this stuff anyways it was cool because then in his caption he was talking about how this whole thing like this Omegle series is about like pointing out toxic masculinity and how much like happier and more enjoyable it is to like you know just appreciate each other's you know good looks or whatever and move on and it's not like it's not a gate like all of those guys were like no homo but you're like the hottest man I've ever seen and it's like he's like I want to get to a point where you don't have to say no homo you can just be like I think you're beautiful ah fuck that was my email sorry I'll turn it off an email not the email (laughs) interrupting a beautiful moment anyways huge tangent but I just I I want you to like now that you know that description, if you're someone who's listening and you're on TikTok, if you see that guy, you know, make sure and stop and look at it because they're really fun videos and I like them. But yeah, let's post that on Monday. I would love to see that. I haven't seen okay. those. Also, Omegle is really making a comeback. I'm like, is. That, brings, that brings back horrible memories. <laughs> have, you, have you seen the videos of Dixie and Noah Beck? Oh, no, man, yes. humbled. oh my god yes I for people that haven't seen them Noah and Dixie went on Omegle and people are posting their reactions to seeing them and they're just these quote fans like the normal people are just like hey like they're not <laughs> excited at all and you can totally tell that Noah and Dixie were expecting them to freak out and start screaming and they just didn't at all and it's and once and once they realize that the girls aren't gonna freak out because they just like met Noah and Dixie on Omegle they like change immediately they're like okay bye it's so fucking funny I I was gonna post it but then I was like I don't want to I just like literally don't want to like talk about Dixie because she just bugs me but one day one day I was really 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 sad well we just harmonized no we didn't unfortunately no (laughs) (laughs) okay we need to wrap the the tangent um, Candace is on the wrong side for being a proponent of toxic masculinity. And, and Noah is also on the wrong side for making that comment and then following it up with just a horrible apology and not owning her mistake. And yeah, and Harry, Harry I fucking love you, baby. The golden star <laughs> that we all aspire to be each and every day. Yeah, until he does something fucked up, but for now you're on the good side. <laughs> Enjoy it while it lasts. Okay, let's move on to our next topic. And this may require, I mean, it's a pretty straightforward topic, even if you don't know anything about this YouTuber. But let me know, you know, as the resident YouTube expert, if you have any questions, Emily. So YouTuber Gabby DiMartino apologizes for, quote, stupid OnlyFans childhood video. Okay, now before we get into this, um, Gabby DiMartino is a YouTuber. She has a twin named Nikki. They started getting famous probably when I was in like high school. So maybe between like early YouTube days when people first started ever popping off. 
and um, they had a channel called Nikki and Gabby, and it was about, like, living as twin sisters, and they were just kind of, like, lifestyle bloggers. They would do, like, day in my life, or Sephora haul, or decorating my room haul, or, you know, just bullshit like that. That was really fun to watch. Over time, they kind of started to, like, diverge into their own paths, so Nikki does her own thing, and Gabby does her own thing as well. You might recognize Gabby DiMartino as someone who is known as being kind of an Ariana Grande lookalike. Do you remember the Thank You Next music video? And there's a girl that looks like Ariana Grande in it. That's Gabby DiMartino. Oh, okay. Oh my God, the more you know. She's the one that in the video at the beginning, she's like something about punch me in the face or something. Anyways, look it up later. It's like the beginning. You'll know what I'm talking about. Got it. Okay, that's actually so helpful to know. Oh my God, I wonder how much money she made from that. Anyway. And it's been a whole thing because she was like under fire for trying to like, she like had a whole facial reconstruction situation and it just looked a little sus that she was just pretty much trying to be Ariana Grande, but she came out and was like, I'm trying to be my own person, blah, blah, blah. She's just kind of stupid and, you know, she's just immature and totally lives in her own bubble. So that's kind of the precursor to this story. So YouTube star Gabby DiMartino is apologizing once again for allegedly hawking a naked childhood video of herself on OnlyFans, pricing it at just $3. The two-minute apology video uploaded Thursday begins with the 25-year-old noting a trigger warning for fans watching her plea for forgiveness. Quote, recently my lack of judgment and poor decisions have led to a very, very serious issue that needs to be addressed, she says. I owe it to you guys. She goes on to explain that while she was dreaming up content ideas, she stumbled across the home video in which her grandma tells her, then three-year-old self, to put your panties back on. Demartino says the video has brought laughter and joy to her family for years, so she decided to share it with her 3.24 million OnlyFans subscribers. I shared it with what I thought was a funny caption, she explained. It's not funny. She said she never in a million years thought something she perceived to be so innocent would be looked at in such an ugly way. I realized that I'm so disattached with reality that it didn't even cross my mind that this could be viewed like this, she says. It's a serious issue. I would never condone anything like this. After DeMartino shared the video, her OnlyFans account was taken down and she apologized. A childhood video of me on the phone saying, Nanny says, put your panties back on and jumping up and down laughing. I'm sorry I didn't think that one through, period, she explained to her Twitter followers. Her Thursday video also acknowledges that she might have disturbed others with the nude video. It really hurts to know the pain that I've caused for so many people, she said, apologizing to friends, family, fans, and even people who have just simply been triggered by stupid, thoughtless action. She continued, I would never do anything to hurt or exploit a child. I'm so sorry. This is a huge wake-up call. Some YouTube commenters didn't seem to be buying her apology. Quotes, you're telling me that one day you woke up, watched your family's favorite home video, and thought that OnlyFans was the only logical place to post that content, not Insta, Twitter, TikTok, or YouTube, just the site known for sexual content. One wrote, sorry, Gabby, you took it too far. Time to unsubscribe. There's a fine line between funny and wrong. Added another. Okay, that's a doozy of a story, but it's just fucking crazy. And I just, I mean, it's so clear and obvious. Like, I don't even know how much we need to say about it, but it's so clear who's on the wrong side. But it's like, what the fuck, dude? What the actual fuck were you thinking? I don't understand what goes through people's minds. I feel like I say this so often on the podcast. Who saw that 
and said, yeah, let's post it on OnlyFans. Who said, who, did she not consult anybody about, hey, is this weird? Is this not a good idea? I just don't understand how people can be so stupid. Like, I'm, I'm constantly amazed at the stupidity of humankind. I'm trying to find what the actual caption was because it wasn't in the story. The caption that she put, oh, oh my God, no, that's fucked up, dude. What? She captioned it, won't put my panties on. And then she charged people $3 to watch it or to buy it on OnlyFans. Dude, you gotta- Honestly, that quote that you read that- the the comment that somebody wrote on the YouTube video sums it all up. You know, the fact that she tried to say, oh, it was just a video that, you know, has brought my family laughter and joy throughout the years. If it's like a cute home video, then that's something that you post on Instagram or Twitter or you just text to your friend. Like you don't post it on OnlyFans and charge people $3 to see it and then use a caption like that. I mean, either way, if she would have posted it anywhere with that caption, it would have been inappropriate. I'm not trying to take away from that. But again, the apology is garbage because she should have just owned up to the fact that that's a disgusting move to try to make some money. I'm just trying to understand, like, isn't this illegal because it's actual child porn? Like, is she going to face, like, legal? No, I did hear, though, that she, this was on a TikTok, so I'm not saying I saw this in, like, a reputable news source but somebody said that she's it's been reported to not only local law enforcement but the fbi so damn i mean i i wonder if there's going to be a follow-up she what was interesting too was the part of that quote where she was like i clearly am living in my own reality like and i yeah and it's like dude yeah like you no shit <laughs> no shit sherlock you're living in another galaxy or something and that's just, she's just like how I actually anticipate or visualize pretty much every influencer just living in their complete own bubble. And some of them are just better at faking it than others. I just, yeah, I don't, I don't even know what else to say on this because there's no need to discuss whether or not she's on the wrong side. She very much is. And honestly, I hope the FBI really comes for her ass because she deserves it. No, seriously, just, just take a second to really sit with the fact that she captioned it won't put my panties on like that is so suggestive it hurts it hurts my soul like she knew exactly what she was doing she knew exactly what she was doing I'm curious what I don't know is if like what because OnlyFans doesn't like it's known for being like a porn site but not all creators on OnlyFans you know post super porn e images sometimes i think i'm i'm pretty sure i'm not fully familiar but i think a lot of people just post like exclusive content you know like oh you can only find this on only pa- only fans if you pay that doesn't necessarily mean that it's like pornographic if that makes mm-hmm. sense so i'm i'm curious like what what her content is like on only fans well now it's gone so <laughs> true, true, true. So we'll, we'll never go the tiktok guess we'll never know <laughs> nobody has to know Okay, here, here's another thing I want to point out. Like, back in the day, it feels like what hap- what used to happen more back in the day than it does now. And by back in the day, I mean, like, early social media when people were still kind of figuring shit out was, like, people might post something that's fucked up. Like, and it might be on your story or it might be, like, a YouTube video that you didn't, you forgot to edit something out or whatever, a tweet. And then 
somebody in your family or close circle will be like, bro, take this down. What the hell? Take this down. And they're mm-hmm. like, oh shit. And then maybe you, they, that famous person gets canceled because somebody took a screenshot before it got taken down by that person. Now it feels like all this shit's happening and these things don't get taken down or reflected upon until there's backlash from like the general public. And it's like, did you not have anybody to tell you that that was fucked before, you know, the whole world found out? And it's just like, like you guys have a lot of money, like spend some money protecting yourself with like some people around you who will tell you when to not do shit like this. That's all I have to say. Yeah. How did nobody text her and say, uh, maybe let's take that down and unpack that a little bit. She needs Or at to- least like a, 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 someone who, you know, is hired by her who monitors everything she puts out before she does it so that this shit doesn't happen. Just yikes. This is why we would be good assistants for Demi because we would, if she were to ever get in trouble, we would know to stop it or we would know how to issue a correct apology. So Demi. Yeah, we are definitely the most qualified people to do that. A hundred percent. What a story. I'm over this. Let's talk about what we really wanted to get into on this podcast. We are so excited to unpack this. And I will say right now, if you have not seen The Undoing and plan on watching it, stop listening now or reference our timestamps in our description because we do not want to be responsible for spoiling anything, but we are 100% going to be talking about spoilers. So this is your warning right now. We have been truly looking forward to talking about this show all week. And it was honestly a pretty slow news week in the pop culture world. So this show, the timing of it is just perfect. So- We're going to dive into everything about The Undoing, but just for a general recap, if you need a little reminder or if you don't care that we're about to spoil everything and you just want to know what the show is about, here's a little recap. So the show came out on October 25th, and it's the story of Grace Frazier, played by Nicole Kidman, a psychologist whose world falls apart when her husband Jonathan, played by Hugh Grant, is linked to the death, the violent death, mind you, of a woman named Elena. I always want to call her Elena. 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 And this woman is a fellow parent at Reardon, which is like this bougie fictional private school in Manhattan that their child goes to. And I know, okay, I know you already gave your warning that we will be talking about spoilers, but truly, truly, you know, if you enjoyed any whodunit show, Big Little Lies, or even like How I Met Your Mother is a whodunit, anything that really keeps you to the end the way that this show does, turn this off or skip through to the end. We'll put our timestamps on so you know, but you need to watch the show with no understanding of anything that happened because that is the best way to enjoy it, truly. We knew that we were going to, it was just going to be unhinged if we just tried to freely discuss this. And so we do have a few things, a little bit of structure to hold us accountable. So first we want to discuss what our initial theories were about, you know, episode two, episode three, who we thought had killed this woman. So I would love to hear, I already know what your thought was, but explain to the class. Yeah. Okay. So, I mean, first and foremost, I mean, and and I think everybody would agree that I felt that it was Jonathan, right? All signs pointed to Jonathan. They were trying to make us think initially that it was Grace, the Nicole Kidman character. And so that's why I thought it was Jonathan. And then so much evidence was implicated to Jonathan that then it made you like rethink everything. Well, then every, every single episode you go through, oh, is it the son? Oh, is it Grace? Oh, is it the husband of Elena? Is it someone we don't even know? My, per, or my um, theory before the end, I actually, I texted Nadia because she had already watched it. And I was like, okay, here's my theory. 
I'm writing it down so that if I'm right, you'll know that I was right. And I texted this to her before the, it was either before the last episode or during like that episode because there's a lot of trial stuff happening. And I kept thinking, okay, who's the person that I haven't thought that it could be? Like, so I thought that it was the blonde lawyer. I think her name was Sylvia. Was it Sylvia? It is. Yeah. Yeah. The blonde lawyer friend that is Nicole Kidman's character's best friend who's part of that fundraising group with the mothers or whatever. And the reason that I thought it was her was because there's like, what, like there's all those moments and maybe it was just, again, another thing to try to throw us off, but there's all those moments where her and Jonathan are like making really weird, long, prolonged eye contact. Like when he's at the, I forget what you call this, but when he's getting his like sentencing and his bail and she went, do you remember that? Hearing. Hearing, yeah. They looked at each other for a really long time and that's when I was like, what the There's some tension there. There was some, and there was the whole thing about how he came to her a couple months ago to help with the case, with his case about working at his, or his employment case. And he asked her to help him out, or yeah, he asked her to help him out. So I was like, ooh, what if they had an affair and she killed Elena because she's jealous and she's trying to implicate Nicole or something like that would have been crazy, right? And then the last reason that I thought it was her was because when Haley, the lawyer, is talking to Jonathan where she was like, I'm going to get it out of you eventually. So it's just easier if you tell me now versus like, I'm going to find out eventually. Did you sleep with this woman? And he was like, yes. And then she was like, did you have any other affairs? And he said, only one. Do you remember that? Am I making that up? No, no, that was real. Okay. Yeah. So that's why I thought, oh, only one other affair. Like, why is that open-ended? Why did we never find out who that affair was? Well, we're going to be talking about that. Okay. So first of all, We'll talk about it. (laughs) Talk about it. What do you mean we're going to be talking about that? We didn't get any answers, did we? Here's the Also, wait, Emily. So. (laughs) (laughs) She is popping off. Someone help me. Where's our timer? Emily, wait, wait, wait. I just have to say this. So when I watched, I watched it on, I started on Sunday night of last week. I watched three episodes. I started at nine. I turned it off at 12. Then in the morning I was working but I couldn't wait. So I turned it on kind of like a podcast basically. So I wasn't really watching working. So I missed a lot of things. I saved the finale episode for when I got done with work so that I could actually watch and not just listen. But i definitely missed a a few core pieces that we need. Yeah. There were a few times that I was texting Audrey because I watched it after her and she would be like, Wait, what? When did that happen? Like, I missed that part. Which so is we so just unlike me. You. I have to say, it's so unlike me, but I, I needed to get to the end. I'm going to go back and rewatch it again, but I just, I was so invested that I just needed answers. So I might need your help kind of filling in some of the gaps. Oh, I'm more than happy to do that. And it's funny that your guess was Sylvia, because I think that was like a very popular guess. Yeah. And that was a very normal guess. I, on the other hand, went off the deep end. Someone reel me back in. I'm worried that quarantine and this podcast are like turning me into a conspiracy theorist (laughs) because, and I also love about us that we are both so competitive and love to be right that we both texted our theories. Like I texted (laughs) it to you, you texted yours to Nadia so we could reference it. And in the instance that we were right, we are so full of ourselves. I hate it. But my guess, people are going to judge me for this. I was so convinced because there have been a lot of whodunits over the years, okay? So yeah. you got to get creative. You can't keep doing what all the other whodunits have done. So I went 
unhinged. And I literally thought that they were going to throw the biggest plot twist in the entire world and have it be the first patient that Nicole Kidman sees in the very first episode. I know that it sounds so crazy, but the way that she was talking to that woman, because this patient, she was like on her third husband and Nicole Kidman was kind of roasting her being like, I know how you are. You research everything. You probably Googled me, you know, 50 oh, times before you came in. Theory. Yeah. Because when she was you, like, you probably. Oh, what? go for it. Well, when you first said that to me, I didn't even know who you were talking about. Now I'm remembering because I did <laughs> the first episode. So I was like, that's a dumb theory. But now I'm remembering what you're talking about. And that's a great theory. Yeah. And, and Nicole Kidman pisses her off because then the woman storms out and obviously doesn't come back. And then Nicole Kidman is on the phone with Jonathan, her husband, being like, I tell them what they pay me to tell them. And then they quit and they never come back. So you could tell that that patient was mad and angry. And my theory was that she wanted to frame Nicole and she had done to get back at her. And because we know that she d- does her research, she would then find out that Jonathan had gotten fired from his job, that she, he was having this affair with El- Elena, and then followed them from that event, saw them hooking up in this woman's studio. And then as soon as Jonathan left, she went in and killed her because she knew that Jonathan would be the suspect and then it would ruin Nicole's life. So that was... <laughs> That was really intense. I know. And I, yeah, as the show went on, I was like, oh, God damn it. Like, I could not have been more wrong there. But what a plot twist that would have been. Come on. Well, so, okay, I think that's a good segue into talking about the ending now. Now, knowing what we know, what did you think? I was so disappointed. And I went through a roller coaster of emotions because, to be completely honest, I was so hooked the first five episodes. I thought it was an amazing show. It got to the last episode and it was almost like they forgot that it was the last episode and were like, oh shit, we have to cram in everything into one hour. It's almost like they thought that they had a 10 episode series and then someone said, oh no, just a reminder, it's six. And they were just like, oh my God, okay, we have to make all this make sense in a single hour. Yeah. And I hated that Jonathan was the killer. I thought it was so stupid and so obvious but then I started reading all these articles about how the whole point of the show was to kind of make us feel like Nicole where the red flags are right in front of us but we just choose to ignore them yes based on our bias and based off of like our relationship to to these characters so then I thought it was genius but as a viewer in real time I hated it okay that's interesting I had that reaction I think that I'm, my mind is so complex and, um, <laughs> and mature that I, <laughs> I hate you. I'm just kidding. But I, I did. I, I felt like, I was like, oh, wow. Like we just got duped as hell. And it was like right in front of us the whole time. But I want to ask, okay, so I, I just have a couple questions for you because since I wasn't paying like great attention, I just want to make sure that I like am experiencing the way that most other people experience it. So My first question to you, I have two questions. The first is, okay, so when he, I think it's Jonathan is on the stand being questioned and uh, the lawyer, one of the lawyers asks him, what did you do with your suit after you left? Mm -hmm. And he said, I took it to dry cleaning. And then it flashes to a scene of him, definitely not at dry cleaning with a bloody shirt. Like bleaching it. Yeah. 
So was that the moment that we knew that he was the killer or was that just like, okay, so he didn't go to dry cleaning. He's lying about that. Maybe he, did you feel like you were like, oh, that's it. Or did, did you only, was it only confirmed that he was the killer when we watched the flashback of him like bludgeoning her to death? So that's a great question that I don't know the answer to because in my (laughs) mind, my stupid ass, when they showed that flashback of him bleaching the shirt on his own, that should have been the signal to me, hey, here's the killer, you dipshit. But in my mind, I was like, no, this is just them trying to make it look like him, throw me off. So I didn't take it that way. I took it as like, oh, he walked in after she had been killed and, like, grabbed her or something or tried to, you know, grab her arm and then it was covered in blood. So, to me, that wasn't the answer, even though it definitely was. I don't think it was fully confirmed until the actual flashback. Okay, I think what you just said is probably what they intended. So, like, it was the whole idea of, like, everything is right in front of you and you still will do anything to not believe it. I think that's what was the point. Okay, cool. So, that answers that question. My second question is based on your analysis. (laughs) When, at what point, okay, so you know how uh, Grace goes on a walk with Sylvia before, like, the questioning, and we're we're to assume that that's when she tells Sylvia. Okay, well, so is that, okay, so here's my question. At what point do we think Nicole Kidman knows that he's the killer? Because my question is, because in the questioning, when she's up on the stand, she starts by defending him, right? And she's like, he's a husband. I know he would never do this. And then the lawyer starts going into, well, are you aware of confirmation bias and what that means? And then she starts to slowly, and it almost feels like you're watching it unfold right there in her mind. Or was this a plan that she came up with Sylvia? Because we know that Sylvia is friends with the prosecuting lawyer. Yeah. Did no, that was her? that was for sure a plan because okay. she told otherwise sh- they would have never let her go on the stand because But she, didn't Haley put her on the st- on the stand? Yes, Haley only put her on the stand because Nicole Kidman told her, "Put me on the stand so I can talk about, you know, his amazing empathy, his career, his children." She's like, "I'll like, tell them the truth." Yes, and then she planted it in her friend Sylvia to tell the other prosecute like the lawyer to bring up the conversation so she that was fully planned on Nicole Kidman's part that was her plan to ensure that her husband would go to jail got it see that was so like over my head and that was my bad for not paying attention so that was just her way of trying to outplay him because she knew that he was playing her yeah but it's like at what point like do you feel like it was when okay so here's another question because I was reading up on this, a lot of people were saying that maybe the, the point at which she realized, like, he's crazy was when he tried to pin it on the sun. Oh. But I'm curious because when, when that happened, at that point that she found the hammer thing in his violin case, because that's how the, the, it was like the fourth episode or something. That's how that episode ended, right? And then the next episode starts and they're all talking about what they're going to do with it. And they decide not to come forward with the, with the hammer or with the murder weapon. And then he's like, we have to consider like, and she's like, are you trying to tell me that it's my son? Like that you're blaming him? He's like, no, but, and then the son's like, fuck you. At that point, I was like open to the fact of it being the son. 
But should oh, I not same. have been? Okay. No, I was too. And the end of that episode, that was the end of episode five. And I had, I had to look away from the screen. I was having a full body shakes. I was so scared because it's at nighttime. She opens it. She sees the weapon. She looks back at him. He wakes up. His eyes get really wide. And I, oh my God, I'm getting goosebumps just talking about it. It was a be- an amazing ending. What a great so good. Okay. But yeah, I actually don't know. That would be interesting to discuss. And maybe we should put that on our Instagram story as a question just so people can tell us their thoughts because I don't think it was clear when she knew. Okay. I think there's a potential that she knew all along and was just trying to ignore it. And then him blaming the son was kind of the last straw where she knew that he was just forever going to be a problem and there really was no fixing it. Hmm. Because like her people were telling her all along. Like Sylvia was telling her it's always the her dad was telling her. Yeah. And so I think she sort of knew the entire time, but that was the final straw where she realized that, all right, this piece of shit has got to go to jail. I don't know that she knew the entire time. It's that's what's confusing. I wish I was a little bit more clear. Because when he left in the very beginning of the show and then he showed up again, at that point she was convinced it was him because she was so afraid when he reappeared and she was like, What the fuck? It was you, like you ran. And yeah. then he went to jail and then she forgave him like while he was in jail she had sex with him like i don't think she would have i mean unless that's confusing man hmm. oh my god that's gonna haunt me i didn't even really think about it yeah they definitely did not have a clear moment in the show where they showed her realizing yeah i mean i guess maybe their attempt at that might have been when she pulled sylvia for a walk in the park maybe yeah maybe that was her way of trying to tell us like what was the trigger yeah they never really highlighted that Wow, another another gaping hole in the plot. <laughs> Shit. Gaping hole. <laughs> anyway, so, I mean, it's fine, whatever. I have a few, a few more thoughts on the ending, other than my general consensus that I was pissed that he was the killer. The ending was so chaotic. Here's my question. So the dad takes the son, okay? They're out driving in a car. We don't know where he's taking them. Mm-hmm. And... In the show, it feels like they've been out of town for 15, 20 minutes. All of a sudden, we have the police on it. There's a police chase. Nicole Kidman and Donald Sutherland get in a helicopter, and they're chasing them. They've issued an Amber Alert. Like, how the hell? They're having a... They had a press conference. What? Like, that can't all happen in 15, 20 minutes, okay? No, you're right. It was insanity. And then the fact that the dad pulls up on a bridge... And the helicopter lands within two seconds? What do you mean? It was definitely like, I, it was definitely, you know, it was a stretch, but I just imagine reading that in a book and being like, fuck yeah, this is like the pinnacle of, you know, it's like everything leads to this. I just it's, hated. It's, it's fictional. Yeah, I guess I should chill a little bit, but I was just like, there was too much going on. Like, was the helicopter necessary? Couldn't they have just been in a car? And when the, when Jonathan, the dad started running or he didn't, he never really ran, but when he started staggering after them, yelling their names, when Nicole Kidman had grabbed the son and was backing up, I was like, where are the cops? Like someone get this man. Cause I thought he was going to going to attack them. I thought so. And I was like, no. Yeah. I thought or, for sure something was going to happen. Or like, why didn't he just jump? Like, that's so confusing. Like he had every intention of jumping. I don't know. Yeah, it was just a weird 
weird ending overall. And I wanted to dive into, so I have not read the book. I'm guessing you have not either. No. Okay. I was like, watch you just flex on me and be like, actually, (laughs) I had a book club about it. So I did some research on the book and because I wanted to know if that chaotic ending was a part of the book and spoiler alert, it was not. And first oh. of all, the name of the book is You Should Have Known. And it would have that been a maybe, way better title. Yeah, it would have been a great title. And also I felt even more stupid when I saw that that was the name of it because literally we should have known it was Jonathan. So the author of the book what did this interview and said that she was surprised by the finale. And you should give yourself credit points, Audrey, because she thought that it was Sylvia. Wait, what? The... The author of the book? The author of the book thought that it was Sylvia that had killed Elena. But she wrote the book? Yeah, so the ending of the book, she knew that they were going to change just the storyline a little bit, and she thought, because she, she was watching the, sh- the killer. Yeah, but, but they, they didn't. But they didn't. Okay. Okay. And she, she said, my theory was that Jonathan or Franklin, Donald Sutherland, Grace's dad, was the father of Sylvia's child. And that Sylvia was the other person that Jonathan had the affair with, which is what you said. That Donald Sutherland was the father of Sylvia's child? Yeah, she lost me a little bit there. I think she should have just said, she said, my theory was that Jonathan or Franklin. So I think she should have just left it at Jonathan. That would have been a lot. But yeah, so she thought that Jonathan was the father of Sylvia's child, that Sylvia was who he was having an affair with, and that she had gone after Jonathan after that event that they were having and then killed Elena. Holy what? Yeah. And she, she said, like everybody else, I assumed it couldn't be the obvious person. I also thought that David, the writer of the show, had wanted to move away from the book. I didn't realize he would come back because it really was the right answer. He added so many layers to it along the way. It was very satisfying to me. I agree, dude. I thought it was so satisfying. There's nothing more satisfying then a six-part limited series. No, you know, no season two. I, I think that Big Little Lies made a horrible mistake when they decided to make a second season. Like, totally. It was so iconic as a one season, you know, hit. Perfect whodunit. We thought it was, we thought it could be anyone. We were asking ourselves anything. It was a totally different vibe than this show. There, there have been some questions about is Undoing going to have a season two? And so far I've seen, no, probably not. I mean, unless they want to like create a whole new story the way that they did with Big Little Lies. But I really hope that they don't because I love stuff like this. You can just binge it in a day. You get the answers you wanted. It's so fulfilling. Like, oh, I just, I love it. There's nothing better than this compared to shows like Grey's Anatomy that are just grasping at straws for a plot and for an ending. Like there's no good way to end a show like that. No. And we were talking about how First of all, the whole six episode thing, perfect. Every show should be six episodes. It's very similar to The Queen's Gambit, which I know you hate, so whatever. But it was only seven episodes, and they're just so easy to binge, and they're so satisfying. So in the book, the husband never reappears. Oh, wow. Okay. Like, he he fully disappears, and Grace and the child, her, their son, they, like, retreat to Connecticut. And just kind of like hide out there. Damn. So it's like a whole different book. Or yeah. Family. So it's still him, but there's it, there's a whole bunch of other crap. And like apparently Elena 
in the book was like pregnant with another child from him oh god when she was killed so maybe that would have made more sense but oh yeah that would have made sense okay wait they never i never talked about that i have one more note slash question it's <laughs> like we should just rename our podcast i just have one more <laughs> <laughs> no this is really the only last thing that i wanted to talk about so like you know in the beginning of any show when you're trying to figure out like okay what's this really about you know in the beginning, like first two-ish episodes, maybe it was because of the title of the show. Like, I think if it would have been called You Should Have Known, I would have maybe not. I don't know why. I don't have an answer for why I would have not. But I almost thought that she had like powers. Oh. Did you ever have that or no? Not at all. But I will say that that would make more sense because of the number of flashes to her eyes that they did. That's, that's, I think that's why. And, and the other, the other reason why was, okay, so the very first episode when she, maybe it's not the first episode, but it's when she like flashes to seeing Jonathan with the child cancer patient. And I thought that she was like watching him, like, from afar like she wasn't actually there she was watching him like treat Shelby I think was that little girl's name that he allegedly went to go save that night when actually he didn't because he wasn't even employed by the hospital anymore but I thought that she was like traveling from place to place like in these flashbacks like seeing everything okay why the hell aren't we writing this show and also why did she just like randomly faint in the playground that was was never addressed what the hell like why that was so random why was that necessary i don't know i don't have an answer for you yeah there were just so many things that i had questions on that they just literally never addressed and something that i found hilarious is that this book called you should have known in the book that's the name of the book that grace is releasing this therapist, she's releasing a book called You Should Have Known, like how to recognize- Oh my God. Red flags, like in a partner or blah, 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 blah. And the author, I, I find this so funny. She goes, when I got married in 1987, Martha Stewart had just published this enormous book called Weddings, which I was obsessed with. She said, just before she published this massive book, her husband left her. I remember thinking at the time, could you not wait until after she published a huge book called Weddings in which she wrote about how happily married she was? It was just a cruel, cruel thing to do. That's why in the book, Jonathan leaves just as Grace is about to stake her reputation on the book. Wow. That's so cool. Maybe we should read it. I know. I'm kind of down. Who would have thunk? I know. I just saw, I just had to mention that because I just, this woman is genius. I love it. That's really cool. But it's also cool that they strayed so much so that if you had read the book, you could still enjoy it as a news story that's just kind of loosely based off of it, you know? Yeah. So just a little note there. But as far as anything else that you thought was missing from the show, any other remaining questions, what is lingering in your mind? Nothing really. Honestly, it was an A plus show. I rated that on my Instagram. Like, it's very rare that I rate anything an A plus show. And it's rare that anything was good enough for you. A hundred percent. Yeah. No, I mean, I thought it was incredible. There's so few. I don't want to get on a soapbox, but I I feel very passionately that a lot of the the content, TV and movie content that comes out 
on Netflix, especially, or any streaming service, Hulu, you know, HBO, any of them, a lot of them are just, to me, I'm not saying they're objectively bad, but to me, they're just subjectively not interesting. And we're just like kind of tricked into thinking that they're interesting because Netflix told us that it's a top 10 or Hulu Mm -hmm. told us that it's trending. Like, I truly believe that. And so many times I watch a show like Queen's Gambit, I'm sorry to say, I'm like, why the fuck did I just waste like seven hours on this? I don't feel any differently. And I just, I just hate it. How dare you? I'm sorry. I, I know that's like an extremely hot take. And it's a it's an opinion. Like you can disagree with me. You should disagree with me, Emily. Oh my I God, will. I will, and I am. I will okay. take this to my grave. But don't you kind of agree? Like maybe not about Queen's Gambit, but just kind of in general. Like we're just sort of fed like this stream of content, and then we're just told that it's good and to talk about it. And like Emily in Paris. Ex- well, I mean, yes. Like I I know that I'm coming off like conspiracy vibes, but it's just <laughs> that's just weird. the theme of this whole pod. It's just super rare to actually be genuinely invested in every single episode of a show and like just love it from start to finish you know what I mean and so I just I really appreciated that like I had so much fun watching it I also had just a ton of fun watching it I binged it all in one day which was a lot but it was so worth it and I just have one question why did the sun Put the murder weapon through the dishwasher. What do you mean? I was so offended by that. That was so script writing. What the hell? Like it would have made more sense if he was like, "Oh, I I cleaned it," or like, "I I washed it in the sink," or "I I sprayed some bleach on it," or like, "What the hell do you mean?" He put it through the dishwasher twice. <laughs> First of all, that shit was heavy. Okay, how did it not break the dishwasher? All right, did he put it on the top rack or the bottom rack? I need to know. Also, and did none of their maids, like their rich people, find their murder weapon in the dishwasher during the two times that he ran it? I just thought that's I just, I find it so unbelievable. And I found it funny. I wondered if they were trying to, if that was sort of a joke almost because of the, in the, at the beginning of the show, it shows him making a smoothie and she's like, you never clean up after yourself. Oh, <laughs> interesting. That's funny. And you're so I kind of wonder if that was a play on that. Yeah. I'm, I'm literally so, turning into a conspiracy theorist. I know you. your, your attention to detail is incredible. Oh my God. Tell that to my next employer. Thank you. <laughs> your next employer. Why oh, sorry. This employer? Uh, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, I really think we need to, I think we need to wrap this up because we've been talking for actually two hours. I don't know how long the podcast is going to be because we had to stop seven times because of the leaf blower outside, but. Yep. (laughs) Yeah, we will wrap it up, but if you have not seen The Undoing, go watch it. And if you have seen The Undoing, DM us your theories and your thoughts on it. We'd love to hear them. Yeah, and let us know what you thought about the questions that I had, if you want, because I would love to hear other people's opinions, specifically about when Nicole probably learned or realized that he was the killer because that's so unclear and I want more opinions. Amen. So as we wrap up this pod, we we know we always tell you guys like follow our Instagram and leave us a review. We really appreciate it. And we said, you know what? Let's start actually appreciating the reviews that people have given us. And so we wanted to just really quickly read two reviews that we have gotten in the last month that are so iconic. We had to read them. This one was left on November 17th by Prefan, and the the description of the review is crazy pills. (laughs) We have no idea who this is, and if this is you, please tell us, because we loved it. So the review says, 
whoever voted this one star is one taking crazy pills two clearly didn't listen three has no taste four is tacky five is on the wrongest side and 600 i hate them listen to the taste shit episode 16 and stick around for some tasteful disney kid slander near the end love this pod and they're referencing the one star review that we got uh from we don't know who probably a sophia fan after we shadow over her and we just thank you so much for this review we laughed so hard again we have no idea who this is but this review is everything we want and more and we so appreciate it yes i just have to echo that gratitude thank you so much for leaving that review and to anybody else who decides to leave a review thank you they don't go unnoticed always feel free to leave any constructive criticism or let us know what you like give us you know however many stars you feel you feel is suited to this pod obviously five is appreciated but i would i would love honesty over you know you know a five <laughs> I guess. we're not making any money and we don't have sponsors so a three-star review isn't going to kill us yeah, but no, don't give us a three-star review. I mean, <laughs> like, don't do that. Huh? Like, or if you give us, like, the one-star reviewer didn't even post a review. They just left us a star. And that's what's upsetting to me. Like, if you're mad at us for what we said about Sophia, then tell me that so I know what we got the one star. Because how are we going to improve if we don't know what was bad? You know what I mean? Do you have, like, an ex-boyfriend that hates you? No. All my ex-boyfriends love me. Okay. I'm just, we're going to try to figure it out. If you <laughs> left a one-star review, show yourself. Show yourself. Okay, well, thanks everybody for joining us for this extra long pod. Like we said, DM us at the Wrong Side Podcast with your feedback and tea about our thoughts from Undoing. Let us know if there's anything you want to cover us or want us to cover next week. And thank you for being with us once again. We will see you next week. We love you guys so much. Bye. Bye.